my question is, how do we get it to that level? Because the acknowledgement of anti-Black racism has consequences different than the acknowledgement of any other form of racism. I started seeing um, like the Disney movies shift into being multi-diverse, right? So you started seeing the South Asians, uh, you started seeing the Black people in the Disney movies, whereas before you didn't see them. And I, at first, it, I was kind of like, huh, so this is kind of interesting, you know, how do I feel about now all of a sudden seeing Black people and South Asians and even, you know, Asians in these places where previously they were not? Does it make the story less fallible? Like, you know, what is it that bugs me about it, that I am at first jarred by it. And then I begin to enjoy it, right? Because, you know, it's like, well, it's just something new. But haven't we always been here, you know, and that and that's the thing, right? I guess that's the message. Yes, for sure. And I think, like, not to go into another topic, but there, it can be bothersome for me as well. Um, and very often it is. And I think I realized what it is for me. I think my issue is that I feel Black Hollywood has been cash cropped. Mm -hmm. um, the, in the 90s and the early 2000s, we had a lot of Black media and it was doing really, really, really well. When you look back at your um, best mans and however you feel about Tyler Perry, he became a billionaire off of creating Black cinema. Um, there's so much Black, like, girlfriends and sitcoms that were doing numbers, sister, sister, that were not only acted by Black people, but owned, executive produced, directed, created, written. Um, and now we don't, I, I haven't seen something like that in a long time. So I think that's what makes it kind of jarring sometimes because it's like now we're watching black media as produced by white people. White people, yeah, yeah. And, you know, there's always the taking over, right? And it's, it's always about money. Um, I think uh, even when I was learning about Sesame Street, um, you know, the suggestion was that it started as like part of the projects, you know, people just going in and wanting to inspire young children in the projects. And so the guy in the garbage can, I forget his or I can't remember the monster's name in the garbage can. But, you know, you see this kind of very chaotic garbage area um, and then out of it comes these characters. Right. And how even with that story. Um, how it, it is said that, okay, so eventually the team is let go, a new team comes in, and it is from there that, you know, the story rises, uh, but no credits are given to the originators um, who just had something very simple in mind. We want to inspire kids. And that too is part of the story of Black women creatives. Like to this day, we see TikTok dances getting stolen from these young Black girls and, and attributed to young white girls who get to go on Ellen. Like that's that's been the story of Black creatives for a long time, creating and not getting the um, acknowledgement for their efforts. So any thoughts on how we stop that? I think it's important to call it out every time that you see it. I think it's important for us to acknowledge. I think we're getting we're getting better at this. Like, hey, black people started that. Like, that is not a new trend. Right. I saw somebody, there was a, a TikTok going around of this um, girl who was trying to curl her hair using mini buns, and we're like, those are bantu knots. Like, those those you you didn't get that. Yeah. So I think she got backlash, and I think that's 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 rightfully due. Like, um. 
I'm forgetting the name of the book right now, but Trey Anthony, the black woman who wrote The Kink in My Hair, um, has a book. And in the book, she was talking about how when she would say things like that to the EPs on her show um, or to the white woman that worked on the show, like essentially like, okay, either that's not a good idea or that was my idea. They would cry and make up a fuss. And essentially the black woman taking claim of their own work were the ones who were being demonized. And that is such a common experience. And I think it's important that we call that out and not only say, oh, hey, this is happening, but call it out by name when safe to do the, do so, of course, and then hold people accountable for the fact that they can't treat us like this anymore. And there's value in those numbers. Do you think we have to take it one step further? You know, one of the things that I've noticed uh, with the Truth Forgiveness, well, let me say Truth and Reconciliation Commission for Canada is that it didn't just start because a bunch of Aboriginal people wanted to talk about truth and reconciliation. It started because a group of people who had moved through uh, that residential school system finally decided that the harm that was done was outrageous and it demanded some kind of restitution in the form of money and the retelling of the, the narrative that is connected to it. And they took this all the way, uh, I don't know if it went to the Supreme Court, but eventually they won, right? And from that now has come this commission that now is demanding that certain things be done. For example, even in nursing schools, you have to have a course on the Aboriginal experience and residential schools and all of those things. And they have like a book. Like, I mean, literally, it's a handbook that now they are implementing one by one by one these principles, these policies, these new structures that are absolutely essential. Do we not, as a people, need to take it to that level? Because what I have found about white people, the only thing they understand is money, right? Because at the end of the day, that's what their chase of us is all about. It's always about how can we capitalize on the black girl? How can we clap, capitalize on the black man? So like you got to hit them with the money, with the money, you know? Uh, and so what are your thoughts on that? So, okay. There's a, a quote by the philosopher Charles Mills, uh, Jamaican philosopher Charles Mills. Um, and he says that um, the rich white man gave the poor white man Jim Crow. Hmm. And what he means by that quote is essentially that creating a tiered system is an economic um, endeavor. It's an economic venture. We post-slavery, we got Jim Crow era. So poor white people would still feel like they're not at the bottom. And I think what is unique about the experience of anti-blackness and anti-black racism different from every other form of racism, because I'm not saying that other forms of racism exist, but anti-Black racism is extremely unique in the world case because um, our entire system in North America, and I would argue the world, would completely dismantle if anti-Blackness was to disappear tomorrow. Um, Economically, uh, our economics rely on anti-Blackness. They rely on 
the statistics that are related to income and poverty and um, single parent households and those type of things that that reign in the world. They rely on our nations, which are rich with resources, being reliant on organizations like the IMF and the World Bank and not being able to sell and share and trade goods that they should be able to sell and share and trade. It's been structured in this way because um, anti-Blackness is an economic pursuit. So like you said, I fully agree that we need to take it to that level. My question is, how do we get it to that level? Because the acknowledgement of anti-Black racism has consequences different than the acknowledgement of any other form of racism. I agree. I agree. It is a tough question to answer. And the good news is we don't have to do it in this episode. (laughs) (laughs) It is going to be the next 30 years that is so pivotal uh, to the change. And I think part of what is required is that we simply come together, we start moving through our healing journey, and then we get really creative about how we're going to dismantle this system. It requires all of us, right? And we each have an answer. So we're going to complete our episode now. And the thing I want to ask you is, so what is it that you're trying to build? What is the legacy that you want to leave behind? Um, Like it says in my bio, I want to leave a legacy of love. All that we have in this world is the people we love and those that love us. Uh, I think love comes in many forms. We, I personally believe that I create love every day when I create good work for my clients. I believe that I create love every day in my relationships in my personal life. I believe that I create love every day by sharing my ideas uh, with the world. So that is the legacy that I want to leave behind. And I want there is love is all right. So thank you for being here today. And I want to pray some love into your space um into your business space into your creative space into your family space into your community space so um is there anything you need for love to come forward no i I, i'm not sure but i'm open to your direction (laughs) all right so you know sometimes i think you know god just needs to show up because god is love and so as we join our hearts and our minds together. Let's just pray for God to show up between us and through us and over and above us and in us. And that's, you know, that that love exudes to all of the community. Father, we thank you for your grace and we thank you for your mercy. We thank you for black girl magic and all the ways in which you're empowering a generation to change everything. As we move through uh, the next 30 years, we know how pivotal this time is. And so we thank you for Naomi's, all the Naomi's in the world, um, those who are the change agents, those who make a way, those who bring a new thing into the culture. I thank you for the life that she has lived. I thank you for the journey that she has been on. And I pray for the continued opening of that loving space that she wants to create in all the areas that she touches. May you give her a life that is filled with love. May you give her a family that is filled with love. May you place her in a community that experiences love and experiences your presence. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for honoring us with your presence uh, today, Naomi. Um, And for those of you who are the Black girls and the Black women and the creators in our community, I just want to 
I want to thank you for listening and I want to encourage you to continue to use your creatives um, in whatever way they show up to just bless our community and bless those who are around you. So until next time, I'm Dr. Joan and this is Hey, I'm Listening. <laughs>